Money. It affects our everyday life. But how do we make more of it? Manage it. And make sure we make the most of our money. Welcome to Money Mindful, a podcast to teach and support you as you learn to manage your money. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to episode 10. I'm your host, Megan. It's a very cold day in Melbourne today. I don't know what has happened to spring. Louis out with the girls at swimming lessons this morning, so I've got a chance to record this episode. Great to be here with you again today. And before we get started, I just wanted to tell you about the Money Mindful Ladies Club. I send out emails and money tips to the club once a week. If you want to be part of that and not miss any of the tips, you can subscribe by going to my website at www.moneymindful.com.au. All right, let's get into it. What a week. Wowee. This week, I've been homesick with bronchitis. Headlass attacked the family. Ooh. My daughter slipped over and cut her eye and now looks like a street fighter with a big black shiner. We also found out that Louis got into the training program he's been working towards for years, which is amazing, and it involves us moving interstate. We went to an awesome gig and watched some of our family sing and play their hearts out, and to top it off, my eldest daughter turned five. Wow, living our lives, experiencing the full spectrum of emotions this week. My coach, Brooke Castillo, at the Life Coach School is always banging on about the 50-50 of life. 50% of the time we experience positive emotion and 50% of the time we experience negative emotion. It's the contrast of life. We wouldn't know happiness if we'd never known sadness. And we wouldn't know peace if we had never experienced conflict. Since learning about this concept, I have released a lot of resistance to experiencing the negative, in inverted commas, emotions in my life. It's actually so freeing to have the awareness that we are not meant to be happy 100% of the time. If someone dies, I want to experience grief and sadness. I don't want to feel happy about it. And likewise, if I broke up with my partner, I would want to feel the loss and sadness of separation. This week is a perfect example of this concept. I don't do sick very well as I find it incredibly difficult to sit and do nothing. It brings up a lot of negative thinking for me. I make myself wrong for resting. I think I should be doing more and I end up twice as exhausted as I spend so much time struggling with my own thoughts of unrest. Does that happen to you? Needless to say, being sick is a negative for me. Getting head lice and dealing with treating the whole family, washing all the sheets and clothes, not fun. Holding my daughter sobbing in my arms with a face covered in blood, frankly, scary. My mind straight away jumps to the worst case scenario. However, knowing that sometimes I'm going to experience negative emotion gives me so much space and peace around feeling these emotions. Peppered throughout it all was, you know, so much positive emotion. So getting to watch my daughter run around, watching my sister-in-law smashing it out in her debut performance with her band was so fun. Celebrating my daughter's birthday, an absolute delight. 
learning that we are moving to a whole new state to start a new life adventure, equal parts fear and excitement. This is the 50-50 of life. Can you relate to this? If we were happy 100% of the time, we wouldn't know what happiness was. We would have nothing to contrast it with. When we accept we're not meant to feel happy 100% of the time, it creates so much space in your life. So I'd love to encourage you to explore this concept. I can relate this concept to the book The $1,000 Project by Canna Campbell. When it comes to money matters, I think money can be approached from a place of abundance or scarcity, that 50-50. I am certainly familiar with taking action from a place of scarce scarcity and the more times I spend on um, the more time I spend on developing awareness around my thoughts and feelings about money, the closer I get to creating more often from a place of abundance on the regular. But hey, I'm a work in pro- progress, aren't we all? I love this book so much for so many reasons, but one of the main ones is Canna approaches financial well-being from a place of abundance. The premise of the book is to save parcels of money $1,000 at a time or another amount that's suitable to your budget, maybe $100 at a time or $500 at a time. Canna is a financial advisor. She's in Sydney and she's got a YouTube channel all about ways to create money and look after your finances. She had an ambitious goal to save $40,000 in one year by saving $1,000 at a time. And she talks all about this journey in the book. The rules were that she had to earn this money outside of her regular job. This is the difference that I love about her approach. It's not about restriction and cutting back on spending to save more. It's about growing and earning more by doing activities such as selling unwanted items, taking on a side job, doing paid market research, among other things. She has a, a whole list of suggestions and um, in the book and, and some that she's done herself that she talks about. Look, I'm all about conscious spending and I think there's some serious power in having awareness around what you spend your money on. But the difference here is when you deliberately decide what to spend your money on, you're not restricting yourself. You're not tightening up. You're simply redirecting the flow of money to the specific place you want it to go. Take a moment to contemplate this. Look, I do it too. I'm certainly a work in progress, but be careful around not spending money from a place of scarcity. I read an Instagram post recently about a person who went back to a shop to exchange something to get it 50%, uh, not 50%, 50 cents cheaper. In the overall flow of this in terms of time and money flowing where you want it to go, this form of saving to me seems to be counterproductive. They're using up more time and money in the attempt to save every cent. Is this what you want? Do you want to use your energy on not spending any money and holding it tight and finding ways to keep it and not let it go? Or do you want to spend your time and energy creating more? I know I would rather do the latter. Oh my gosh, you can't tell this because of the magic of editing and podcasting, but I'm actually continuously stopping this because I'm coughing all the way through. I'm still recovering from bronchitis. I know I'm probably not supposed to talk to you about these things. Do you even care? But anyway, there you go. I'm I'm telling you. Okay, so I want to dig into this a bit further and explore two examples with you. 
firstly, one of our biggest luxuries is having a cleaner. We pay someone once a fortnight to clean our house. Could we clean it ourselves? Absolutely. Would we be saving money if we did it ourselves? Probably, but maybe not. Look, I haven't done a scientific study on this, so it's only my opinion, but I'd like to argue in some respects, having a cleaner is in alignment with us creating more money in our lives. And here's why. You've probably heard of that saying, what is it? Time is money, right? What about money buys you time? When we think in linear terms, yes, many of us get paid by the hour. So by definition, the time we work is equal to the pay we get. What if we could widen our perspective on that concept? What if we looked at creating money, not from the perspective of if I work this eight hour shift, I get X amount of dollars, but from the perspective of I earn money based on how much value I create. Most of us know how to create money by using our time. Knowing how to create money by the value you create is not as common, although many entrepreneurs and business people are more familiar with this concept, right? For example, when you sell a product or course, like an online course, you get paid for the value of that product or that course. You might be selling that course online while you're asleep. Once you've created it, the money comes in based on its value, not how many hours you spent making the course. So this is where our cleaner comes in. To me, time is way more important than money. That is why I would never waste my time going to the supermarket to exchange something to save 50 cents because my time is way more valuable than that. Having an organized and clean home is really important to me. I place a high value on it. And when the house is messy or unclean, I find it distracting. I find my attention often fixes on it and I can get caught up doing the cleaning as opposed to the tasks at hand that I actually want to complete. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, we have a couple of investment properties, we have investments in index funds, I work part-time and I care for my young children when I'm not teaching. I create this podcast every week and I take care of my mental health and physical health every day by practicing yoga and doing thought work with my coach. How do I fit it all in? Well, buying time is one of the many things I do to allow me to spend the time on activities that help me to grow and create more in my life. Instead of cleaning the bathroom on the weekend, I can spend that quality time with my kids. Instead of flaking out in front of the telly because I haven't stopped all day, I can spend the evening recording a podcast or attending to business to do with our rental properties that bring in a passive income for us. In literal terms, yes, I would be saving money if I didn't have the cleaner, but the flow on effect from spending that money intentionally is greater, in my opinion, than the actual amount we spend. What do you think? My second example relates to the $1,000 project book. One of the examples Canna gives to create some money on the side is to sell unwanted items. I'm in two minds about this and here's why. I don't tend to sell my things. On occasion I do, but usually I don't. Now I'm going to get a bit woo-woo on you here, which is kind of unusual for me, but hey, here goes. I quite like giving my things away. I love finding great buys in the op shop and I like the idea that someone else will be delighted finding my things and in addition to this, the op shop 
make some money to support their cause. Doing this also means I get to clear stuff out of my house quickly and instant results and a win-win situation for all. Here's the woo-woo. I also get given a lot of things. This is something I have no control over, right? I, I can't make people give me things, but it just happens. You know, friends passing on clothes, the generosity of a, a retailer throwing something in or a restaurant. I just feel like I'm extremely fortunate in this way and I have no way of proving this and I can just feel some of you now thinking, all right, Megan, you lost me here. But I like to believe somehow it's all connected. You create value and you put it out into the world and it comes back to you. It's quite extraordinary. On the other hand, a couple of months back, Louis cleared out and sold some of his old games and devices and made enough to buy himself an awesome new road bike amazing one because he created that money so easily and quickly by selling those games and two what the heck as someone who has no interest in computer games I had no idea people place such high value on these games getting back to Kenna and her goal to make the 40,000 by saving small parcels of a hundred thousand at a time she ended up making 32000 in 12 months. What a champion. As a side note, this is creating goals in action. Okay, so she didn't reach her goal of 40000 So what? If she didn't set that goal and work towards it, she would have made $0. But by making and taking action towards that goal, she not only made 32000 She also grew and evolved as a person because she had to put herself out there. She had to show up and step out of her comfort zone to take action towards her goal. I can't stress enough how awesome this is. It's not about the money or the 40,000. It's about who she had to become to create that result. I'll just say that again in case you missed it. it. It's about who she had to become to create that result. So good. Reading her book couldn't have come at a more opportunistic time. As I mentioned earlier, Louis got a job offer interstate and in 10 short weeks, oh my gosh, we're moving. There's nothing like a move to motivate me to declutter. If it's not essential to our everyday life or something we absolutely love, it has to go because moving your stuff interstate is not cheap and I certainly don't want to pay to move and store a bunch of things we don't even need. With this in mind, I decided to sell our unwanted items and we're putting that money towards the cost of relocating. It's something I can get behind and um, look, to tell you the truth, if I'm really honest with myself, there's nothing wrong with selling things um, because I know I just said before that I like to give things away. But sometimes, you know what, I like to give things away because it's easier. It's easier to put things in a bag and send them to an op shop. It's easier to pass your things onto your friends that you know that they're going to like. Let's face it, photographing, listing and posting items to sell requires effort. But I've said it before, and I need to listen to my own advice. If you want the results of something, you have to actually put in the action to create it. So I need to put in the action of photographing and listing and posting our items um, to create that income. I'm not one for posting all the time, as you probably are aware, but if you're interested, I'll keep you updated in the Instagram stories. I think it will help me keep accountable too, because this 
in a way is like the 50-50 of emotion for me, the 50% of the negative emotion of not wanting to have to put the effort in to sell things because it's so much easier just to give it away. But then also having the positive emotion of being able to experience the income of selling those things. So let's put the $1,000 project to the test. I just got a quote for the removalist costs and it's going to be upwards of three and a half grand. So let's see if we can sell that much stuff. Look, I'm not going to pretend here. I don't feel overly confident that we'll make that much, but we sure as hell won't make it if we don't even try. So I'm going to give it a go. I'll put a link to the $1,000 project book in the show notes on my website. Just go to www.moneymindful.com.au. Oh my gosh, I'd love you to join me this December in selling all our unwanted goods. There's no better time than before Christmas, don't you think? Get rid of all the old, make room for the new. And of course, the $1,000 project isn't just about selling unwanted items. There's many other examples Canna gives in the book. I'm just concentrating on selling our things as we deliberately need to reduce our things before the move. Have a beautiful week, friends. I'd love to hear if you decide to partake in the $1,000 project. Until next week, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Money Mindful podcast. For more info, visit moneymindful.com.au. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe. And remember, the information in this podcast is of a general nature only and does not take into account your personal circumstances or goals. Please seek professional advice for your own financial needs. Remember to have fun along the way.